Well, all right. Carry us on. Amen. Let's give the choir a hand. Amen. I like that one. I like that. I like all of the music. Thank you so much for uh, being here today. And I'm excited about sharing God's word. Second Timothy chapter one is where you can find me this morning. Second Timothy chapter one. Read verses three through 18. Second Timothy chapter one. Verses 3 through 18. In my old church, I used to tell them, when you got it, say, I got it. That would be you all. No? You got it? Still looking? Say, I'm still looking. Still looking? Take your time. Just hurry up. If we could all stand together for the reading of the word. Hear the words of Apostle Paul as he talks to this young preacher, Timothy. Paul tells Timothy, I thank God, whom I serve as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, And I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind, a self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. This is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching and with faith and love in Christ Jesus, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Homogenes. Uh, May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. Because he often refreshed me, and he was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he would find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. Amen. You may be seated. We live in a world today where it's amazing to me how motivated we can be by fear. How, how large of a role fear literally plays in our life, in our everyday decisions. 
where we go, how we go, when we go there, what we do when we get there. Fear plays a huge role, even in some of our purchases. For for example, a couple of months ago back, uh, my wife and I were sitting down watching television and there was this commercial that came on. And this commercial was uh, showing this woman, a picture of a woman going to her car and she pulled out her keys and on her key there was a little sensor that could tell her if there was a heartbeat in her car or not. The sensor, the purpose of the car was to let her know if there was someone in her car waiting, hiding before she got there. So she pulls out the keys and sees that someone's in my car. So she immediately puts the keys back in her purse and calls the police. And then the sign comes on and says Volvo. They're selling a car, Volvo. Now, as soon as the commercial went off, my wife looks at me and says, we need to get a Volvo. (laughs) All because they had scared my wife and this mass murder is in the back seat of the car getting ready to kill this woman and this woman's life was saved because she had a Volvo. Not only did we not get a Volvo, but I said, honey, never mind, I'm not going to say that, but <laughs> let's just say we, we ain't driving a Volvo. But, uh, but, but, but it was amazing to me how fear, how, how people just play on our fears, even living in the, in the background of, of, of 9-11, as tragic and as terrible as it was, we, we still kind of sometimes would walk and think through those fears of what could happen. The idea of terror and terrorism is just that, that we would be so fearful that we'll lose the essence of who we are. In our passage today, uh, the great apostle Paul is talking to this young up-and-coming preacher, Timothy, and he's encouraging him and saying, Timothy, embrace what God has given you. He, He tells Timothy, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but he's given you power, love, and a sound mind. So don't be so consumed with your fears to where you miss the great gifts that God has given you. Today, as we look at this passage and as we open up in prayer, I challenge you. We, we used to say uh, all the time that this message is not for your neighbor. This message is for you. As we open up God's word, I challenge you to consider what fears you live with. What, what, what are some of the fears that you've learned just to live with? What are, what are some of the fears that you struggle with, that you wrestle with as, a, as an individual, as a family, and even as the body of Christ, even as a church, as we have our, our new senior pastor, and, and as we started uh, asking these questions, who are we going to be? How are we going to execute this great commission that God has given us to Lake Avenue Church in our community, in our nation, and around the world? Fears that may come along with that. How will that change us? How might Lake Avenue look different? If we were to fully execute what God has called us to do, could that change how we are? Could that change how we worship? Could that change my comfort level when I come to church? Consider our fears this morning as we open up the Word of God and allow His Spirit to speak to us. Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the privilege that we have to open up your Word. We pray that this morning that you would speak life to our fears, God, that Uh, in the midst of fears, that we will be so overwhelmed by your power, by your love, and the beauty of a sound mind, that we will not be consumed with the fears that could so easily limit us or handicap us from fulfilling the great purpose and the divine call that you have on our lives. As I stand, God, I pray that you would stand in my body, think through my mind, and speak through my lips, God. Use me today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
As we look at this young Timothy, as I looked at the passage, I just I couldn't help but wonder, what are some of the fears that Timothy could possibly be struggling with? What are some of the things that Paul could be trying to warn him against? What are some of the struggles that Timothy could be having? I came up with three because, hey, every good preacher can come up with at least three, right? So I got about three. So the first one that, that I said, Timothy might be struggling with insecurity. He, he may be struggling with insecurity. Let's think about it. Timothy's young. He's young. He's up and coming. He's this young guy, kind of like I am today. It's kind of hard. You know, this is my first time preaching now that the new senior pastor is here. And, you know, the pressure is on. If this goes bad, y'all may never see me again. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I said, now, God, how am I going to preach a sermon about fear? And I'm up here scared. He said, you can't, son. So I had to get over the fear. So, but but, but think about the pressure that that young Timothy must have felt. His mentor, his pastor was Paul. Paul, the, 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 the great writer of the majority of the New Testament here, his, his shoes that he had to fill will be Paul's. I'm sure Timothy struggled with insecurity. I'm sure he struggled with his inability to live up to all of the great expectation. But listen to what Paul says to Timothy. Let's look at this passage. Now, now y'all have to forgive me. This is in King James. I know we're used to the New Living Translation, but I grew up in a kind of an older church. And there are just some scriptures that I just love the poetry of King James. So, uh, uh, if, if you get choked or lost in the thou's and the thine's, uh, I'll come and find you, I promise. You, you won't get lost. You won't get lost too long. Here, listen to this. Listen to the beauty. Greatly desiring to see thee, Paul says to Timothy, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to, watch this, remembrance. The unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I persuaded that in thee also. I'm I'm convinced you got it too, Timothy. Wherefore, I put thee, here's the word again, in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by putting on of my hands. Uh, Paul is reminding Timothy, he says, Timothy, I remember. I can remember the tears streaming down your face. I remember the power of God coming on you so strong because I was there. It happened when I laid hands on you, Timothy. I remember in the same thing that happened in you, I know it's true because it happened in your grandmother. And it happened in your mother. And now it's happening in you, Timothy. God's power came over you and I saw what God did in your life. So Timothy, right now, instead of being fearful, instead of struggling with insecurity, I want to remind you of what God has done. Growing up, we used to have what we call testimony service. And in testimony service, testimony was a time of worship where we would set aside, where people would stand up and testify about the goodness of God. They would stand and, and, and brag, make their boast in the Lord. Someone would stand over here and say, this week I got my test results back and God healed me of cancer. And someone on this side would stand up and say, oh, the son that I've been praying for, my son, the church has been praying for him. He came home last night with the Bible in his hand and with joy in his heart saying, I've accepted Jesus as my personal son. Savior, and the church would just shout and express the glory of God. And what we were doing, was we were putting each other in remembrance of the greatness of God, just in case there was someone who was sitting somewhere in the audience who was living in a dry season, a time where they didn't feel the nearness of God. They will be reminded of his great power and his great authority in our lives. Paul is saying, Timothy, remember what 
God has done in your life. Remember the power. He, and, he, and he says, he says, fan into flame the gift of God. Fan into flame the, this power that you have. It's the picture of, uh, in November 30th, my wife and I, we will celebrate five years of marriage. Five years of marriage this November. I know that's not 50, but y'all should at least clap for that. Five years, you know. Some people, some people ain't made it to five. Some people gave up at four. I made it to five. I'm excited about that. So, so during, during this time, you know, five years, that's, the, that's our first big whole number. I got to come up with something good, right? So, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm putting together a little package deal and have flowers and, you know, we're going to do a little special. We're going to do some stuff. And, and it's going to be exciting. But most of all, the purpose of us celebrating our anniversary is to remember what God has done in our marriage. To remember that day when we walked down the aisle. And not only remember that, but to fan the flame. Definitely at five years of marriage, if all I have is just the ability to remember, but no power in the present, then I've got a problem. That The picture that Paul is telling Timothy, listen, I want you to remember, and I want you to stir that up. I want you to fan the flame. Ladies and gentlemen, November 30th weekend, I will be stirring it up. I'll be fanning the flame. Amen? But only that it may spread and overtake us in where we are and also propel us into the future. Paul is saying, Timothy, stir it up. Fan the flame. That it may spread and overwhelm you. May may the power of God consume you. Fan the flame. And I want to say to anyone who's struggling with insecurity or insufficiency, I want to challenge you to fan the flame. Remember the power of God in His hand in your life. Reflect on time and time again throughout your history with Him, how He's never left you nor forsaken you. I encourage you to fan the flame, even in this dry season, even in times of feeling as if He's not near. Fan the flame. Remember and fan the flame, knowing that he, he doesn't call the qualified, but he, the qualified, but he always qualifies the called. Did y'all get that? Let me say that again. He doesn't always call the qualified, but he will always qualify the called. He's called you. Don't allow the fear of insecurity to limit your ability to receive the power of God that's present in your life. Second thing that Timothy could possibly be struggling with, the second thing is, is this idea of suffering. Suffering. Uh, Timothy has watched Paul's life. He's seen Paul's life. As a matter of fact, Paul is presently writing him from a Roman prison. So, so, so he, he, I'm sure he's, he's fearing this idea of the trials and all of the struggles that will come with my walk of faith. Let's look at this passage. It says, listen, listen to Paul's words. He says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Did y'all hear that? Listen to that. Basically, Paul is saying, don't be ashamed, but come and be a partaker of my suffering. It's the equivalent of you saying, hey, you want to come to church? I'm a Christian. Come, come and join my church and, and come and what, what, what you got going on this? And well, we're going to have a little suffering happening. Come over for dinner. We're going to have a slice of apple pie, some, some fried chicken. Oh, oh yeah, and a little suffering. Yeah, come on. Just pack, pack in. Come on over. It, it's, it's as if Paul is saying, come and join me in my suffering. Come, come sign up for, for a couple of trials. Sign up for, for a few tribulations. Sign up for suffering. I'm sure Paul... I'm sure Timothy was, was fearful of that. I'm, I'm sure that looks very intimidating to a young up-and-coming preacher. 
Unfortunately, it's played its way out many ways in, in, in our Christianity today. Parenthetically here, let me just pause. We need to be very mindful of preachers who will stand up and invite people to come to the cause of Christ, promising them a life that always goes their way. We, we need to be very careful of this brand of Christianity that's starting to seep out among our churches and, and on television and in a lot of these big churches, this, this, this prosperity gospel, this bless me, bless me theology, where as I come to Jesus, then it's all about me. Things always go my way and I'm always right and I always get what I want. Friends, that is not Christianity. That is not who we are. That is not what we believe. To any guest that's here or any, any new believer or to anyone that's, that's considering taking that step of faith, I would be less than a preacher. I would be less than a pastor if I just sold you a bag of goods to get you to make a decision. Friends, that come the, along with this package of Christianity comes what we call the cross. Jesus says, if you indeed, in fact, want to follow me, then you too take up your cross and follow me. Friends, we will have trials. There will be times in this Christian journey where we will experience suffering. I would be less than a preacher if I told you anything other than that. Friends, the part of the package of this thing called Christianity is trials. David illustrates it beautifully in Psalm 23. Watch this. Watch the beauty of this. Listen to this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That's beautiful. Look, get, get the imagery. Get the picture. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Wait a minute. Hold on. What happened? What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, whoa, we, we were just laying down on green grass and drinking distilled water. How in the world did we end up in the valley of the shadow of death? Hello. I mean, you mean to tell me I'm following Jesus and he got lost? He made a wrong turn? How do we end up in the valley of the shadow of death? We were having a picnic, drink, drinking water, hanging out, and all of a sudden now we're in the valley of the shadow of death? Look at it. It says, he leads me down paths of righteousness. Jesus, I was following you. How did I get here? Could it be that even when following Jesus, he'll lead us in some uncomfortable places? Even when we, when we, when we follow his word and when we're obedient to him, he'll still lead us on, on paths that lead us into places that are uncomfortable, that may cause us to be fearful. Young Timothy, I'm sure, seeing the potential of suffering and trials in his life, he had to ask himself the question, how do I deal with this fear? But I love, David doesn't leave us there. David doesn't leave us there. Watch what David says. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, ha, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Hallelujah. He, he, he says, uh, even though we'll go through some uncomfortable places, even though we'll go through some places that seem uncomfortable, that may, may look intimidating, don't worry, because I promise I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will feel no evil, for thou art with me. Y'all not getting it. Let me help you. I remember uh, uh, being in high school, and I went to this, um, to this, this high school dance. I, I know Christians don't dance unless you're charismatic, so I get a pass. Um, <laughs> 
So, so, so we, we went to this dance, and y'all, I, I had on this, this orange jean outfit. This orange jean outfit. Now, it wouldn't be that cool today, but it was cool in the early 90s. It was cool in the early 90s. Uh, Carl Kanai outfit. If you're African-American and grew up in 1991 and you're in high school, you should know who Carl Kanai is. If not, then we need to have a talk after church. Uh, I know most of you aren't African-American, so I'm sorry. That's one of those cultural myths this morning. Um, but, uh, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to bring you. I'm going to come to your neighborhood. Uh, so so he, he, I, 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 have on, uh, I have on this orange outfit, and I'm just dancing. We're having a good time, you know, just hanging out. And all of a sudden, this guy starts going off. You can tell this guy's angry. He's upset. And he's pointing, and he's, he's shouting expletives. and just I mean, he, this guy is upset. And I'm like, whoa, this, this is about to be awkward, you know? So, so he starts coming, and whenever a big fight breaks out, everybody starts crying creating a circle around the action so everybody can see. So this circle starts to form. And as the circle's forming, I kind of start trying to move in the circle, but the circle kept coming around me. I was like, what's wrong? And come to find out, this guy is trying to beat me up. He, and I don't know why. I hadn't done anything but just sit there and look pretty in my little orange suit. So I, I can't imagine why this guy is wanting to fight me. But see, I didn't go to the dance by myself. I had three of my cousins with me. And let me tell you, my cousins... My cousins were some rough guys. My cousins were the type of guys that you didn't want to mess with. My cousins were the type of guys that you wanted to bring in, in a fight. As a matter of fact, c- come here, John. Come here, John. Go, go, go down the middle aisle right here. You, you're the rough, ugly guy. You're the guy that was just, just cussing and stuff. So just say, say some nasty. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. So he's just going off at, going off of me. And, and come, here, come here, Dwayne and uh, Dave and, uh, and, and John. Y'all, y'all come here. Y'all, y'all go over here to the side. Come on, y'all go over here. Y'all go, go over there. Y'all go over there. Over, over, come on, over here on this side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this guy, John, John, this guy is all upset. And he's just pointing and just acting all bad, acting all bad. So he starts coming towards me. And as he's coming towards me, my cousins see what's going on. And my cousins were thugs. I mean, they were hardcore. They were the real deal. So, so my cousins rush in in front of me. They rush in in front of me. And so... So as, he, as he's coming, when my cousins get right here, all of a sudden, guess what? He decided to change his mind. <laughs> Says, you know what? Maybe beating this guy up isn't the best idea, right? So, because my, my, my cousins were real intimidating. Look intimidating, guys. All right. They're real. Somebody ought to take a picture of this. Somebody really ought to take a picture of this. Listen, don't, don't tell past the way bright, all right? Chris, you, shh, you can't say nothing. So listen, so, so for the rest of the night, though, watch this. Guess where I was? I was with my cousins. If they went to the left, let's go to the left. I was with them. If they went to the right, let's go to the right. I went to the right. All right? You know why? Because I wasn't willing to leave my help. And the picture of what David is saying is, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yea, though I have adversaries coming against me, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Thou art with me. 
And what I'm saying today is in the midst of trials, in the midst of tribulations, when things get rough, new Christian that may be here or one that's considering stepping out on the faith. Christianity is not about all things always going your way, but Christianity is wherever you end up going, God will always go with you. You will never, ever have to walk alone. I will fear no evil because thou art with me. Now, now watch this. The, the gift that God gives us, he doesn't give us fear, but he gives us a sound mind. When my cousin showed up, at first I was, I was like praying to Jesus. I wasn't even a Christian, but I was praying, don't get beat up. I don't want my face to get messed up. That's all I got. You know what I mean? But when my cousin showed up, I was like this. Yeah, son. Yeah. What? What? You know what I mean? You know why? Listen to this. Watch this. Because what God has given us is a sound mind. And when you walk with the presence of God, then even in times of adversity, even in the midst of trials, you don't have to lose it because he has this ability to give you this peace, this shalom, this wholeness, even in the midst of trials. Amen? Amen. Let's thank my thug cousins and my uh, other ugly friends. It's important that we see this, this this ability to have this sound mind, this wholeness. Even in the midst of trials, friends, you don't have to live a life of stress. You don't have to live a life of restlessness. You don't have to worry. Even in the midst of trials, although you're having faith, you can still struggle with fear. But what God is saying, in the midst of those times, I will give you this peace of mind, a sound mind that can keep you stable. I remember growing up and my grandmother having problems, struggling with sickness, struggling with pain. John, we would sing an old song and she would sing this song at church on Sunday morning. She would say, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. I didn't understand it then, but, but what my grandmother was saying, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of struggle, I woke up this morning with my mind focused on the God of my salvation. And even in the midst of trials, he can give me a sound mind because of who my thoughts are towards. says, I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Friends, if you're suffering today, or if you're fearing the idea of what trials or struggles may be coming, know this. He's with you. And even in the midst of storm, he will give you a sound mind. Number three. Number three. The third thing that Timothy could possibly be struggling with is not only insecurity, this idea of suffering, but he could be fearing loneliness. 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 Uh, as Timothy is sitting there watching Paul's life, I'm sure the idea of if I, if I step out for the sake of this gospel, what, will I be lonely? I know this is something that many of us resonate with, even as those of us have walked in the doors today. Although we're in a room full of people, many times, even in settings like this, we can still feel lonely. With high school students, many times coming in, wanting to connect so strongly, but, but feeling isolated in their very existence. Although there are many people on the road still sitting there in the midst of thousands, feeling lonely. I'm sure Timothy was struggling with loneliness, but watch what happens. He says, This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. This is Paul saying, he said, listen, Timothy, I know you heard that everyone in Asia left me. Everyone in Asia left me. When the persecution hit, all of his friends, all of his confidence, everyone left me. But watch it. It says, but may the Lord have mercy on the house of Onesiphorus. Because Onesiphorus stayed with me. 
You want to, you want to, let's talk about a good friend, someone who really shows the love of God. You want a friend like Onesiphorus. He's got a hard name and kind of funny, but he's a great friend. There are three things that Onesiphorus did. It says, number one, Onesiphorus, uh, uh, the, the first thing that Onesiphorus d- did was that uh, he, he sought after me. He refreshed me. That's what it is. Uh, for, for he oft refreshed me. Th- th- this idea of refreshing is, is this idea of a, of a breath of fresh air. It's almost as if Paul is saying, every time I connected with Onesiphorus, when he came to see me, it was as if I experienced a breath of fresh air. What a place Lake Avenue could be if people who are fearing loneliness could come and when they experience and engage in our worship and when they experience and engage with the fellow members of our beautiful body, that they would leave this place feeling as if they've experienced the breath of fresh air. It says Onesiphorus was a breath of fresh air. Secondly, Onesiphorus, Onesiphorus was not ashamed of my chains wasn't ashamed of my change. He wasn't ashamed of the things that came along with Paul because there's some baggage that comes along with Paul. He, he wasn't ashamed of my circumstances. He wasn't ashamed of the fact that I was sitting in prison. People left me because I was in prison. People were ashamed of me. But Onesiphorus, Onesiphorus was not ashamed of me or my baggage. What a beautiful place. What a beautiful place where people could come and they experience a love that wasn't ashamed of their struggle wasn't ashamed of their baggage. That people could come in and feel a love and wouldn't wouldn't feel condemnation, wouldn't feel judgment, but could literally feel the love of God even if they had baggage. Even if they had baggage. Finally, Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus not only was a refreshing, a breath of fresh air, not only was he not ashamed of his change, but, but Onesiphorus, he searched for him. It says, when Onesiphorus got to Rome, he looked for me. He went around. Have you seen my friend Paul? I know everyone has left him. I want to I see my friend Paul. Have you seen? Do you know where Paul is? Have you seen my friend? He searched for Paul. What a friend. I was talking to a young lady this week who's going through a, a very, a very hard time in life right now. And she talked about how she just couldn't bring herself to call and tell people. She couldn't bring herself to pick up the phone and to discuss what she was struggling with. So, so she wasn't calling anyone. But this particular week, her phone kept ringing off the hook. Because she had friends that were calling. And they would say, you were just on my heart. And I just wanted to call and check in on you. I was praying and the Lord laid you on my heart. And I just wanted to call and see how you were doing. She was saying girlfriend after girlfriend just called and called to check on her. You know why? Because they were searching for her. They were willing to find her. What a beautiful place for people to come and experience the refreshing of God. The love of God that goes beyond their baggage. And when they're not here, we miss them. We search for them. I haven't seen you in a while. We miss you. We're praying for you. Please know that when you're not here with us, you are missed. What a beautiful friend. Instead of fearing loneliness, embrace the gift that God has given us, which is his unconditional love. And many times he'll show that love, not only through his own hand, but through the hands of his people. Friends, we are called to be that love to our brothers and sisters. Finally today. The idea is that we embrace the gift that God has given us. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. 
As I thought about this passage today, there was a beautiful illustration that I wanted to bring to show you that I really feel encompasses everything that I'm trying to say, everything that I'm trying to articulate today. This encompasses it all. I want to introduce you to friends, uh, to two, two gentlemen, Dick and Rick Hoyt. Dick is, a, is an older gentleman who had a son at birth. His uh, spinal cord uh, uh, coiled around his neck and cut off the, the, the oxygen to his brain. And the doctor said Rick would never do anything. Rick would never be anyone. But it's amazing to see how Rick proved everyone wrong. Uh, Rick began to get into these little marathons and triathlons with his father. Many of you have probably heard this story, but, but this old man would take his son and push him in a wheelchair and run for 26 miles or, or go swimming with this young boy. And the, and the newscasters came and said, why do you do all of this? Why are you out there doing this stuff with your son? And the son, through a special communication device, the father said, my son told me one day, he said, Dad, when we're running these races... I don't feel handicapped. I don't feel handicapped. Friends, I want to introduce you to Dick and Rick Hoyt. Watch their story.
If anybody had a reason to fear insecurity, it's Rick Hoyt. (laughs) Insufficiency, insignificant. Should have been Rick. If anybody had a reason to fear suffering, should have been Rick. If anybody had a good reason to fear loneliness, oh, it's Rick Hoyt. Can you imagine the exclusion, the looks, the fingers being pointed? But Rick learned something real early in life. That through my father, I experience power. As I'm, as I'm riding in the, in, in the bike and the fresh air hits my face, I can feel the power of my father pulling me. Rick realized that <laughs> if, if you could see Rick's face, there was a scene where you see Rick's face and it, and it looks as if Rick doesn't have a care in the world. Rick said, no, 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 not suffering. But he's giving me a peace, a sound mind. Rick was just riding on the bike, and, and, and it was just this peace. It was as if shalom was resting on his face. Rick knew the peace that came along with being in the presence of his father. And finally, Rick was overwhelmed by his father's love. As he could feel the sweat and the muscles pulling him. His father giving this great labor of love. He was flooded with love. So I challenge you today, my friends. Rick realized that God hadn't given him a spirit of fear. Friends, I want us to realize that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but God has given us himself. And in our Father, we have power. In our Father, we have the privilege of experiencing peace, shalom, this wholeness. And in our Father, we experience un conditional love. Friends, he's given us the Father. I want to pray for us. Today I want to do something just a little differently. If you're in this room today and you say, Albert, there are areas in my life where I struggle with fear. There are times I'm, I'm limited, uh, uh, even, even handicapped by my fears. I'm paralyzed. Sometimes as if I can't execute what God has called me to do because of fears. I want to pray for you today. It's my prayer that you would leave this place fully embracing the gift of God that he has given you. Fully embracing the power, the love, and the peace that he's designed for your life. If you're here today and you say, Albert, that's me. I'm not going to ask you to come down, but I'm going to ask you, if if that's you, and if you've related to this message and you've connected with this idea of fear, would you just stand right where you are? If, If you want to pray, hallelujah, amen, amen, amen. Amen, 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 amen. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Even now, don't allow the spirit of fear to limit you from being able to stand. I pray that you'll experience the liberty of Christ, the freedom of Christ, and stand boldly, not in your own strength, but in the strength and the power of your Father. I challenge you. You don't have to leave home today the same way you came. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The presence of the Lord is here. And in the presence of our Father, friends, we experience peace.
love and a sound mind. Father God, I thank you for giving us yourself. (laughs) God, I thank you so much for the peace that passes all understanding. When my trials and when my tribulations, they, they say, your response is depression. Your response is stress. Your response is throwing in the towel. God, you've given us a peace that passes that understanding that says our response is to stand and to trust you. Even when we can't see you, God, we trust you because you promised in your word that you would never leave us nor forsake us. So we trust you, God. I pray for everyone who's in a battle with fear in this place today. I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that we'll have the strength and the courage to release the fears and embrace the gift that you've given us. Tis so sweet to trust you, Jesus. Oh, God. Jesus, Jesus. Precious Jesus. How we proved you o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust you more. God, we pray for grace to trust you more. When fears come back and try to knock on our doors, we pray for grace to trust you more. Today, we surrender our fears and we embrace love, power, and a sound mind. In Jesus' name, amen.